Okay. So, uh, Mike usually says this is September 1st, and I'm Rock Brockman. And uh, Mike is away. He's down in uh, Lynchburg, uh, I think, for most of the day. And so, last week he asked me, hey, can you do something? So, here I am. <laughs> what a treat, huh? Well, uh, there were no handouts on the little stand there, but you do need to have one of these. Uh, if, you, if you don't have a Bible, there's a bunch up here. So, uh, just put a bunch right there in case the latecomers. Then Mike's going to be doing a new thing uh, next week. It's not, uh, not going to be on, uh, on marriage, per se. It's going to be on, who knows? Patty, do you know? It was, it was in the uh, newsletter. Uh, I mean, uh, oh, you might have it in there. Here we go. It's mercy. Loving the least of these, reflecting on the merciful heart of God. Okay? So, that should be good. Alright, so, given one Sunday, just out of the blue, no connection to anything else. <laughs> <laughs> you got to do it all on one Sunday. So, uh, I, I picked a, a parable that, uh, that I think is terrific. And uh, I... I sure you would think so too and uh, I've also uh, I'm, I'm not ashamed to admit that uh, that I use a lot of help on this and and the, the book that that I'm using is uh, the prodigal God by uh, Tim Keller uh, how many are familiar with this book very good book uh, very good book uh, astoundingly good book I, I would say so, let's turn to uh, Luke chapter 15. And this is a parable that uh, is recorded in the book of Luke. It's not recorded in the, in the other Gospels. Quite often there's, there's, uh, there's the, the same passages uh, in, uh, in the different synoptic Gospels, but, uh, but this only shows up in, in the book of Luke. Uh, and actually, let's, let's look here uh, at, at the very first uh, verse of, of uh, chapter 15. It says, Now tax collectors and sinners were drawing near to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So who's his, who's his audience here? Both the tax collectors and the Pharisees. Yeah, it sounds like you know he's 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 got some sinners and, and tax collectors, and then uh, uh, some Pharisees are kind of observing from from a bit of a distance and uh, grumbling and complaining, right? Uh, sinners and tax collectors. What does that mean? The lowest, uh, the tax collectors, at least, and the sinners just being 
probably not religious people, right? May actually have rejected religion because religion looked down on them, right? So he he tells he tells uh, a parable right after that, the parable of uh, in uh, let's see this is a New English version. It gives it the the parable of the lost sheep, and so this is where one sheep shows up missing, and the shepherd leaves the ninety and nine and goes and finds that one sheep, and then he finishes verse seven. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people, persons who need no repentance. Okay, so the, so the message for his audience, kind of two messages there, isn't there? Uh, what's, what's the message for the, uh, for the sinners and tax collectors? These are not trick questions. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's saying he's saying he's going to be the good shepherd who's going to go after the lost, go after, he's going to lead the, the group and go after that one that's straight. Um, and you know, so he's like saying, like he's about um, trying to love those that Pharisees don't love, um, trying to, to you know encourage them. To, And when one does repent and come back in, comes back in, what's the, how does heaven feel about that? Hot dogs. That's great. <laughs> Big celebration. Uh, so, so he's saying this is this is the report from from heaven that when uh, sinners repent, that's an exciting time. Much more exciting than just 99 people doing their religious thing. Okay, so then he tells this parable of the lost coin. And a woman loses an a, a expensive coin. She's got ten of them, and she loses one. So she stops everything she does and sweeps and cleans and turns over the entire house until she finds it. And when she does, she throws a big party. And verse 10, just so I tell you, there's more joy there's joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Same message, right? Okay. So, if you're sitting there as one of the uh, sinners and tax collectors, are you aware there's Pharisees standing around? You think? They were probably aware of that. There was probably attention all their life over, uh, you know, people you know, telling them they were sinners. I mean, they, they got labeled sinners. Uh, and the tax collectors certainly knew they weren't included among the religious people. Uh, and so, how do you think they felt when Jesus told these two parables about there's rejoicing in heaven if one of them repents? That's, that's kind of good news, huh? Mm -hmm. Joe, we, uh, we're doing uh, uh, Luke 15. And 
So, likewise, how do you think the Pharisees felt when uh, when he told these parables? Offended. You, you think they they would have been offended, yeah. or do you think they said, "You know, you're right. It's, it's good when when somebody repents." I mean, why wouldn't? But but you're probably right. They, they probably were offended. That's awful. This goes against the uh, our religious uh, conventions. Uh, this, this feels uncomfortable in our culture. Uh, why is he Why is he doing that? So so then he tells uh, another parable, starts starting with verse eleven. So uh, can I get a volunteer to to read eleven through the end of the? Okay. And he said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his properties in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to... He was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robes and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was for this my son was dead, and it was alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. <coughs> he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and treated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat, that I may celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who was devouring your properties with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this, your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Okay. How many have ever heard this parable before? This is probably the most familiar parable to us, right? And what do we call it? Okay. Do you ever use the word prodigal in your, uh, in your everyday language? Have you ever, ever used it in a sense, talking to somebody? No. What, what does prodigal mean? You want, want to take a stab? To rebel. I'm sorry? To rebel. To rebel? Okay. Not exactly. To but, uh, but that's... It, it means uh, recklessly spendthrift. Spends their money without thinking, and recklessly, you know. Is, is that a good description of this son? Yeah, it's 
So is that a good title for this? Wait a minute. The the story starts. uh, There was a man who had two sons. It's not just about one son. There's really two parts of this story in there. There, There's the part one that goes through 11 down through uh, 24, and then uh, 25 to the end is is really more about the other son. So uh, maybe a better uh, uh, title might be uh, The Lost Sons, or Are They Both Lost? Well, let's... Let's let's look a little closer. So uh, so okay. So the 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 younger son seems to be the problem here, right? And uh, and he says, uh, "Give me my share of the property that's coming to me." What does that mean? What's he going to get? And what does that amount to? Like half of what his father. Okay, not quite. Uh, the, the the way the way that system worked back then was that. Uh, uh, the oldest son got twice what what all the other sons got. So if there were four sons, they divided up four, five ways, and the oldest son would get two shares, and all the others would get one share. So if there's two sons involved here, they divide it up three ways. The younger son would get a third, and the older son would get two-thirds. Okay. So is this often done that, that a son would say, hey, give me my inheritance now. You're not dead yet, but go ahead and give me. I'm, I'm out of here. I don't think so. I think it was like saying that he basically wanted his father, father he wanted his father out of his way. Yeah. He wanted to do what he wanted to do. He didn't care that his father was living or not. I mean, he'd just soon he'd be dead, but he's not dead, so go ahead and give me what I need and let me get out of here. I think most of the people sitting there would be pretty shocked at that. That, that, would, uh, that's, that seems pretty harsh. Uh, and pretty foolish, too, right? He, he, uh, so, it's an agrarian society. The father uh, probably has uh, gotten his money through uh, land and raising crops and uh, raising sheep or whatever. And so... Uh, they had to divide up the, the acreage of the, of the property, sell it off. That's, uh, the family fortune takes a, b- a bit of a hit, and the son takes a third of it, and he's gone. And then, uh, and then how does he, he prudently manages that money, uh, investing it wisely? <laughs> nope, he doesn't. Uh, Reckless living. Now, it doesn't, doesn't define it right there, but later on, the uh, the older son says that uh, he spent it on prostitutes. Uh, and and what eventually happens to uh, to the son? Um, okay. All right. So. Why didn't he just reach into the money bag and get a little bit more money? He's he is really recklessly spent. He's been prodigal, right? And uh, 
And so uh, he doesn't have any money left. Uh, the famine, and since he doesn't have any money left, he doesn't have any friends left, uh, he doesn't have any possessions left. And uh, so he ends up doing what job? Now, why is that particularly uh, particularly awful? Yeah, he was feeding unclean animals, uh, and th- that made him probably even more odious to the uh, to the uh, uh, Pharisees and uh, and uh, that were listening in, and uh, probably also. You know, down in uh, down in verse thirty, uh, this is the older son coming back and finding out that there's a big party going on. For it. It says, but uh, when this uh, when this son of yours who has devoured your property with prostitutes, uh, you killed the fatted calf for him. So here, the the older brother came back at that point. Had he come in and talked to the younger son and found out what he'd done? No. So how did he know what the son, what the younger brother was doing? I'm sorry? He asked the servants. Well, he asked the servants, but, uh, but he, he knew how the, uh, how the younger brother had wasted the money. Uh, he didn't know that he'd come back, but, but uh, he knew what, I think they probably heard you know, I think people probably say, hey, I saw your son over in the next county and he's feeding pigs and you know, spending his money on prostitutes. You know, they, they knew what was going on. So while he was gone, living that way, how did that make the, the father feel? Disappointed, sad, concerned, right? Heartbroken, Heartbroken. Uh, somewhat embarrassed, don't you think? I mean, that doesn't reflect well upon the family, right? Uh, they're also having to get along with uh, with less property than they had before. Families running on two thirds of of. Uh, you know, we don't know if he was fabulously wealthy or just uh, they were just getting by, but uh, but they didn't have as much as they had before. So so this wasn't good. Uh, but so uh, things run bad. He's feeding pigs. He's starving, and then he comes to his senses. What does it say? But he came to himself. And he said, uh, "This is verse 17." How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? <clears throat> but I perish here with hunger. I will rise, go to my father, and say, Father, I've sinned against you, against uh, heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. Okay? So, uh, and it sounds like this is sort of a little speech that he's worked out. This, that he's, uh, he's thought about what in the world am I going to say to Dad when I show up again after all this, after I've wasted his money? Uh, why would he take me back in? 
So he, he proposed not to be taken back in as a son, but be taken back in as a, as a hired hand. And maybe he can work his way off of this debt. Probably would take a long time for him to work off that debt, if that's even possible. Right? So, uh, so he, uh, he heads home, and, uh, and what happens? The father sees him coming from afar, and he stands there on the porch. Let's see what this guy is going to try to say to me. It's better be good. Is that, is that the way he approached it? No, I mean, this, the, the way it's expressed is just really beautiful. That the, that the father took off and ran to... Uh, father saw him uh, when he was still a long way off. He may have been... Maybe that's something the father did a lot, was sit there and look down the road and wonder what was happening to his son over the horizon, wherever, wherever how far, ever far away he was. But he saw him coming... And he ran and embraced him and kissed him. And so then the, the son starts to uh, go into his spiel, right? He's going to make, try to make a bargain with Dad, take me back in as a hired hand. And so uh, verse 21, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be your son. That's, that's the first part. He doesn't get to the part where he says... Uh, Take me in as a, as a hired hand, please. Uh, and the father, what, what does the father say? Yes. Specifically, he gives some orders to the uh, to his other servants, and what does he say? Clean him up. <laughs> okay. Well, he says, uh, bring the best robe and put it on. Where, where's he going to get the best robe? What's that? The older brother's inheritance, huh? That's interesting. Yes, as a matter of fact, it is. You know, once once the younger brother left, what was left that the that the father had? All the possessions that the father had. The two thirds. The, the, the other two thirds, that became the hundred percent. Right. That's all that the father had, and where was it all going? To the older son. So all of these assets really ultimately were, were the older sons. So when dad starts giving away the best robe in the house and the best ring and kill him to fight a cat, who's he taking the money from? Indirectly. From the older son. Yes, he's uh, the father. Yes, this is the father's stuff, but uh, you know, the, the son knows that it's all going to be his And I think that's part of the son's uh, objection when uh, when dad starts uh, giving a bunch of stuff away to the son. 
I think this uh, this uh, best robe. I mean, I don't think a whole lot of houses would have a special robe just sort of hanging around waiting to give to somebody. The best robe is probably dad's. Father gave it to uh, to the son. The best robe in the house would have belonged to the father, probably. Uh, this ring probably just didn't have a big jewelry box full of rings to, to give away to guests that come into town. This is, this is probably an important heirloom. Uh, shoes on his feet and killed the fatted calf. Uh, for my son was dead, he was alive again, he was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. And that's where most oftentimes when we think of this parable, that's where it sort of ends, right? That's the parable of the, the prodigal son, the spendthrift son. He came back rejoice. It's beautiful. But that's not where Jesus ends. He, he's still telling the rest of the story, right? And, uh, and he tells the story not just of the, of the younger son, but of the older son as well. And uh, how does the older son react to all this? Explains why. What does he? What does he tell you? Is that understandable that he would react that way? Shouldn't he be a little bit happy? <laughs> I mean, they probably played stickball together when they were younger, right? You know, that he had no, he had no compassion for this brother. Yes. Yeah, that's true. There, there, yeah, that, that is. That's kind of like you know when uh, when Adam talks to God and says, you know, well, this wife that you gave me, <laughs> tries to shift the blame there. Uh, so, yes, at verse 30, but the son of yours came who was devoured your property and prostitutes, you killed the fat again. And then the father says, Son, you've always been with me, and what is mine is yours. It is fitting to celebrate and be glad for this. Your brother was dead. So he shifts it, the father shifts that back and says, You know, you're saying, Well, this son, I, you know, but he says, No, you know, you have, this is your brother. Uh, he was dead and now he's alive. Yeah, it's like he did it's like the older son um, doesn't uh, ultimately doesn't understand the grace of, of his position. 
but it's a gift from the Father as well. Like all, everything here is yours, is, is yours. You know? And he, he, he's thinking I'm earning it, I'm toiling, I'm out here like in the field, I'm doing all the right things, but he doesn't realize that it's actually like, for, you know, it's grace. You know, that he's doesn't deserve any of that either. Okay. You know, to, to work in the field and to be, to, you know, that that's a gift. Okay. Well. All right. I think it's also reflective of our values too. Like he just doesn't value having been in the Father's presence. Um, and there's, I think, even for us, a pull to the world, and he feels this injustice that like this son has been out there doing that. I've been doing all the right things, and yet here I am, you know. And I, you know, I didn't get a party, and so his values are very skewed. Um, and the Father kind of steps in and says, "Well." You've had me. You've had you've had all of this kind of like Chris was saying at your disposal, and he just didn't. I don't think you know he or we appreciate um, what quite what that is and the grace that that is um, and the, and the damage that the younger brother was doing to his soul. So he says, I, I, "I've uh, always been here. I've never disobeyed you." That's quite a statement. I've mm-hmm. Never disobeyed. Uh, and uh, so you're, you're right. I mean, he doesn't feel like, you know, uh, you sort of get the sense that I've been the dutiful son. I've done everything right. I've earned this. Right? I don't need to be given anything because I, I deserve this. I'm just waiting around for you to drop dead, Dad, so I get all this stuff. Does he care more about the father? Hard to say. It's hard to read into this, but he, but he's not showing a whole lot of compassion here, for any more compassion for the father than the younger son did, did he? And uh, he's not showing that he that he understands this is a gift and it's a privilege to be the older son here. Uh, I'm getting what I deserve. I've done my job. I've earned this. Uh, there's no grace involved here. Yeah, it's very revealing. Like, when the grace of the Father is shown to the younger son, it reveals this heart of, of disbelief and like, you know, pride and earning things versus receiving um, Obviously, the Pharisees are all there. Listening to this. All right, so so you got the Pharisees and the uh, and the tax collectors and sinners. Who do the uh, tax collectors and sinners identify with? The younger son, right? And and what do you think the Pharisees? Think they like that, or do they? Do you think they identified that? Oh, he's talking. He's talking about me. Or might they assume, yeah, that was, that was a naughty thing to do, or something? You know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they did probably realize that. 
Now, one thing that uh, Keller points out here, or he, he makes an argument that uh, you got these uh, three different parables here about the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the, and the parable of the prodigal son. So the, the lost sheep, a shepherd realizes a sheep is missing. So he probably puts the sheep in the pen and goes out and looks for that. So someone goes out and finds that lost sheep, and then there's great rejoicing. And uh, this woman has ten coins, and she finds out she's only got nine of them. One's lost somewhere in the house, and she searches diligently throughout the house until she finds it, and then there's great rejoicing. Who went out looking for the son, for the younger son? Nobody. Nobody. Did, wouldn't it have been nice if, if, if his older brother had uh, had said, you know, I, I hear he's he's in bad shape. I'm going to go find. And I know it's tearing Dad up inside. I'm going to go find him and bring him back. But he doesn't do that. Yeah. keep referring back to this, but Keller tells a story of, uh, of somebody who, uh, in, in the Vietnam War, there was a, a family who had a son that was in the war, and uh, he went missing in action. He's, he's gone. He's out there somewhere. They, can't, they don't know that he died. They don't know that he's in prison. They don't know if he's just lost. And, uh, and uh, the family back home, you know, hoping and praying, but just really upset that, you know, their son was, was gone and nobody could tell him uh, where he was. And, uh, and uh, the, their older son, who was not in the, uh, in the army, you know, saw how much this was ripping the parents apart. And he took it upon himself at his own expense to go over to Vietnam. He wasn't authorized to do that. But he went over there, and when people knew what he was doing, everybody respected it, and, they, and according to Keller, at least, he would go all over Vietnam, and both sides somehow knew who he was and, uh, and respected what he was doing. He never says whether he found the brother or not, but, but that... That's the kind of older brother you would want to have, isn't it? 
Not this older brother that says, thank goodness he's gone, everything now that is left is mine. Hope he never comes back. Right? Uh, Keller's point is, we do have that older brother. We have Christ who is he's our older brother. And who uh, has sought us out. And I think it's very interesting, too, here, this, uh, you know, he, he's told this story here of, uh, of the lostness of, of the younger son and how the father embraces him back. And he tells this story of the older brother who, uh, though he looks like he's the dutiful son and he's, uh, he's doing everything right, uh, doesn't have any greater love for the father than the... Than the uh, younger son uh, and here Jesus is telling this parable and, and uh, he could he could just say that stupid older son he's just as wicked as the as the younger son and he and he doesn't even repent uh, but Jesus doesn't leave it there he he plead he has the father go out to the this the older son and uh, and try to draw him in and uh, he says, and he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that, that is mine is yours. It is fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother is dead and is alive. He is lost and is found. So he's pleading with the Pharisees standing right there. Don't stand out there and be just you know, negative about everything. See what's going on here. See that God is, is drawing people into his kingdom. Uh, and rejoice. Be a part of the, of the good news. Don't be, you know, the, the sour, negative, you know, religious uh, curmudgeons. So, Keller titles this, uh, this book, The Prodigal God. If prodigal means spendthrift, recklessly spendthrift, what is he saying about God here? Reckless grace. It's it's crazy that the father would, would love that younger son after being so wasteful. I mean, most of us would think, you know, the the father would stand there, you know, waiting for this son to come back and say, Tough love, you know, you're gonna have to work this, you know, I'm gonna be watching you, or even Sorry, you blew your chance. I gave you what, what you, you got, what you deserve. Get out of here. Uh, but that's not that's not the father. That's not the father Jesus is representing here. Uh, he's he's recklessly graceful, and uh, and he's also recklessly graceful for the older son that thinks uh, you know the. Uh, the religious o- obedience by itself is uh, is what it's all about. The the obedience to God is important, but it's uh, only insofar as you're thankful to God for the, the great things that He's done, and, and you're, it's a reflection of the love that you have for the Father. But without the love, those uh, those works don't mean a whole lot. And Jesus is just as concerned about that. To reach in and uh, and to have those uh, those brothers come into the kingdom.
Does that happen, Joe? Yeah, I just, you know, as you kind of kind of point out, I'm thinking about the first chapter we've lost, and then something research. It's probably different after the quarter or something. It's kind of interesting to do. And he does run down the road when the, when the sun is, is uh, the other sun is coming. So it's, it's not like he doesn't reach out at all, but, but no one went out and pulled that boy out of the pig, pig pods. Yeah. I guess my, my only thinking is, I mean, we've done this before, but almost put some of the emphasis. I'm sorry? It, it, I was thinking, I'm thinking this scratch, right, because I've read it before, but I'm thinking this thought. Um, put some of the emphasis in the older stuff, especially coming back to the first two. that says it a lot to us too. If, if we have been privileged to, to have the knowledge that we have and the teaching that we have and we've always got God with us and all, always had the blessings of God with us, do we look down our nose at, at other people that aren't coming to church or do we, we have compassion for them to, uh, to want to reach out to them? Well, that's it. That's, uh, now, uh, anybody have this book? Okay, some of you do. Anybody want this book? I've got an extra. You, you would like to hear it? Yeah, I, 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 I really had some of too many, so. <laughs> sure. Let's pray. Our Father God, our Father, who, who loves us so dearly, we acknowledge that, uh, that we are reckless and lost. Sometimes we're, we're lost in our rebellion. Sometimes we're lost in our self-righteous holiness. We pray, Lord, that, uh, that uh, we would see the folly of our ways, that we would uh, embrace the grace that you give to us, the reckless grace that, that you uh, administer to us and that we would uh, seek to serve you with, with grateful obedience uh, to, to the, uh, the gracious hand that you've extended to us. We pray, Lord, that we would rejoice with you in, in all of heaven when, uh, when new believers come into the kingdom. And we would long to see that happen more and more and more. We pray this in your name, Lord. Amen. Next week, Mike's back again. <laughs>